You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin, and this is Locked On NBA. Usually I'm joined by Adam Morris. He fell ill for today, so I will be riding solo to take you through Thursday night's action and sending you off into the weekend. Uh, It's going to be a fun show, though. I'm going to talk about the goings-on around the NBA, the Portland Trailblazers' great winning streak, though with a minor little caveat, minor little asterisk there. I'm going to get to what that might be. And college basketball's NCAA tournament is underway, and I'm going to take you through some of the names that you will be hearing a bunch of as they get ready for the NBA draft in June. So really fun show lined up for you guys. As always, you can find this show anywhere you find podcasts all over the place, uh, Megaphone, Panoply, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, Today's Fast Break, Spotify, Alexa, all of those good places. I host the Locked on Lakers show, and I am the editor-in-chief of Lakers Outsiders. Uh, let's go ahead and get into this stuff, though. So to start uh, the going around the NBA and, and the scores and, and the, the notable scores that, that, I, that caught my eye, the Spurs beat the Pelicans 98-93. The Pelicans were on a nice streak and, and they were they had, you know, it seemed like they had figured things out mostly on the back of Anthony Davis with DeMarcus Cousins out. And and this is kind of what kind of worries you about this Pelicans team is Davis has a pretty good game, twenty one points, fourteen rebounds, a couple blocks. Uh he fouled he fouled out in the game, but he shoots eight of nineteen. And this is what kind of worries you is what happens to the Pelicans when he has a, by his standards, pedestrian game. And the Spurs, it's not it's not exactly like they were lighting the world on fire coming into this one. Uh, they were playing without Kawhi Leonard with and, and that saga and everything that's going on there. Uh, but, but, you know, they get a nice game from LaMarcus Aldridge. He goes 25 and 7. They get a ni- really nice game from De- DeJounte Murray, 18 and 12. And they take care of business in a game that really, if they want to maintain standing within or with those teams that are vying for playoff and playoff positioning, they kind of sort of needed this one to right their ship. So really interesting game there. The Spurs just keep spursing, man. And and with all of the whispers of Kawhi might come back now and, and tonight or last night was the night where he was supposed to come back and and kind of reinvigorate the the Spurs season but they win without him and whenever he does come back the Spurs are are a team that you just never want to take lightly and uh and and it'll be interesting to see how they how they keep going through there the Cavs lose to the Warriors or to the Trailblazers who are playing like the Warriors frankly uh the Blazers beat them 113-105 uh, James did his best, <laughs> 35, 14, six assists on 15 to 25 shooting. But that's kind of sort of where everything, I mean, Kyle Korver had 19, Jeff Green had 16. If you're relying on Kyle Korver and Jeff Green in, 20, 000, in, in the year 2018, you're probably not going to be do, looking too hot. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. did not play. Uh, Rodney Hood also did not play. Oh, no, he did play. He did play 18 minutes. Uh, but but Nance missing on Nance with Tristan Thompson still out and with with Kevin Love still out is is going to be a tough loss and and look not to take anything away from the Tra- Portland Trailblazers uh, their backcourt did their backcourt kind of things C J McCollum with twenty nine points Damian Lillard with twenty four and nine 
Uh, and and then you know Al Farouk Aminu hit big shots down the stretch. He finished with eleven and nine. Mo Harkless was seventeen and five. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic, despite being murdered by LeBron James, had seven and ten. Look, not to take anything away from the Blazers' streak and everything, and well, honestly, I'm I'm gonna take a little bit away from it. But you look at the wins that they have. Golden State, the first win of the streak that they're on right now. Didn't have Steph in that game. Utah was a legitimate win. Beating Utah in Utah, 100-81 was a good one. And Phoenix and Sacramento, both those teams are terrible. Minnesota without Jimmy Butler. Oklahoma City without Andre Robertson. The Lakers without uh, Brandon Ingram. The Knicks without Porzingis. The, the Warriors again without Steph. Uh, Miami is Miami. And then Cleveland again, Cleveland again tonight with their depleted front court. Look... <clears throat> Again, I you win the games that are in front of you, and all of these teams. I mean, beating Cleveland while LeBron is playing is a is in and of itself an achievement. Same goes for Golden State, beating them twice, and in one of those games, Durant goes for fifty, and they still beat Golden State. Uh, and and Oklahoma City still has Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Minnesota still has Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, who has played better in in Jimmy Butler's absence. You win the games that are in front of you, but at this time of year and at this time of year, you take whatever wins you can possibly get to make it into the playoffs and also improve your seating in those playoffs. Uh, so, so Portland is on this incredible stretch, and it's really fun to watch. And I love the way they play, especially late in games. It's one of those like throwback things where it's just haymaker after haymaker after a- after haymaker. Uh, but what it comes down to a lot of times in this time of year with so many good teams vying for the playoffs is who is healthy, who is playing teams who are not healthy, and who maintains momentum heading into the playoffs. And and for right now, it's Golden State. Or it's it's not Golden State. They are not healthy. It is the Portland Trailblazers. In a second, though, I want to take a look at some of the, the, the names that, like I said, you are going to listen to a bunch of as we get ready for the NBA draft. And as you see these young guys, and, and again, these guys are all really young, but you see these guys play in, in win-or-go-home situations, I feel like at, it simultaneously you can take a bunch from these games, and also it's really easy to read too deeply into it. And I'm going to get to why with, with a lot of these guys here in a second. So right off the bat, you look at some of the games that have been played in day one. Well, I guess it's technically day two, but really day one of the NCAA tournament. And you have, you know, wins like Duke, Kansas takes care of business. Uh, Everybody at this point, their bracket has probably been busted because Arizona uh, did Arizona type things. And and you kind of go on down the line of, of names who you should be paying attention to here. And uh, I want to start with Trey Young and Oklahoma, who lost to number seven seeded Rhode Island, 83 to 78. And look, you're going to hear a ton about these guys from people who are way smarter than me. Uh, but to me, the, the, the Trey Young comes with the highest, the biggest gap in between ceiling and floor. And you kind of saw that for stretches of that Oklahoma and Rhode Island game and, and really for for stretches throughout the season. And he was also saddled by 
a, a pretty sorry Oklahoma roster, a less than <laughs> optimal, I'll put it that way, uh, strategic element coming from the sto- coaching standpoint. But Trey Young, to me, you watch him play, and he can light it up from all over the court. He has tremendous vision and execution of those passes, really good handle. I thought, and I thought throughout the year that he kind of leaves a, a little to be desired defensively. And there were a couple possessions late in the game where he was just kind of taken advantage of uh, to kind of ice it. And so that's something that you're going to have to kind of worry about. But, you know, he's not the biggest guy. And you never know how jump shots are going to carry over from college to the pros, especially at that size. And so, you know, if you're if you're drafting one through five heading into this year and, and in the early portion of the college season, you kind of say, yeah, all right, I could I could see myself going with a with a Steph light, you know, a, a light curry kind of thing. But as the season kind of went along and. And unfortunately, as Oklahoma fell, you know, I think they lost 11 of their last 15, uh, 12 of their last 16, including yesterday in, in round one of the playoffs. You kind of start wondering, all right, well, if this guy is is really going to be a top end lottery talent and doesn't have the physical t- tools of a Ben Simmons, who was drafted despite not even making the, the, the NCAA tournament, you kind of wonder, well, what's what might. Trey Young actually be and and on the on the high side he's a Steph Curry-esque type player on the low side he is a smaller guard who is who might be who might still be a, a borderline special offensive player but someone also who can take be taken advantage of defensively and I don't know if you want to wa- use I wouldn't say waste I don't think it's possible to waste a first round pick on Trey Young or even in in the lottery I don't think he he'll I don't think any team that drafts him will necessarily feel bummed that they got him but you do kind of worry all right what what kind of value might you get from somebody who doesn't necessarily have the tangibles that you'd like to see at that stage in the draft and at that position as well uh, another guy who I think you know might take a hit because of the game that was played was DeAndre Ayton. And look, it's it's tough because it's only one game, and for game in game out, the dude showed out for Arizona. He to me showed flashes of holy crap, this guy might be legitimately special. You know, I, I saw some people call him Shaq with a with a three point shot. Let's calm down there. Uh, some people called him Hakeem. He I, he strikes me a little bit closer to Hakeem. Although Hakeem was, I mean, he was a soccer player who happened to play basketball and grew to be seven feet tall and and still somehow maintained his athleticism and coordination. So I I think we should maybe pump the brakes there. But what Aiton's game against uh, against Buffalo showed was that look you still need at that at that position you still need guards who are capable of giving you the ball in situations that that will help you succeed you still need uh, decent entry passes from Arizona you still need a coach who knows how to get you the ball in situations to help you be successful and and then at the end of the day you also need to execute and 
I, I thought that game against Buffalo, and look, it's just one game, and these guys are, are, are teenagers at the end of the day. And so you don't want to read too deeply into it, but you do kind of it, – it does kind of catch your eye when a player with that type of talent on a four seed exits the tournament early. Because that, that tells you that, look, it's the Pac-12, and, and the Pac-12, this might have been the worst year in the history of the Pac-12, really. But you do kind of worry, all right, well, he had decent talent around him, good enough to be a number four seed going in. Uh, he drew a Buffalo team that, yeah, they played well above and beyond what anybody would have predicted for them. But it's still Buffalo. And so you'd like to see a top-end talent take care of business there. I still think he goes one or two. He is just too insane a talent to pass up on just based off of one loss. But it just goes to show, again, that situation matters with all of these guys at the end of the day. Uh, I have a couple points to make as I look back through the the tournament. A couple guys did show out on the other side of things, and I'll get to that here in a second. So I want to start on the positive side. Marvin Bagley of Duke played against Iona. And look, it's a two seed against a 15 seed. Duke is is a, you know, it's a perennial NCAA title contender. And they aren't going anywhere anytime soon. But there were stretches of the game where you just, you know, Bagley's hitting threes. He couldn't be guarded underneath. He was changing the game defensively. And his team winds up winning 89 to 67. Look, I, I just... He's one of those guys who I would say there is a there there is certainly a gap a not as as significant a gap as say Trey Young as I talked about in the last segment, but he is somebody who situation is going to mean a lot for this for when Bagley gets drafted, and yet if I was a team and and I saw somebody his size and his as athletic as he is, able to shoot the way he does and and handle the ball and do all the things that he does, it's I'd be pretty hard-pressed to pass on him past two or three. And, you know, what it comes down to is, again, uh, the NCAA tournament can serve a couple purposes. It can, it can go to show that, all right, this is why this guy was so hyped up and we saw what we wanted to see from him. We just need to continue to see it throughout the entire tournament. And and look, maybe Bagley lays an egg in the next game, and everybody rethinks everything again from that point. But but what I wanted to see from Bagley is can he just kind of dominate a game? And and he did. He just he was he just jumped off the screen as the best player on the court. Maybe in my opinion, one of the better players that I saw all day today. And so if you're a team that is that is tanking and is hoping to get a high-end lottery pick, you, you could do worse than, than Marvin Bagley. Um, I wanted to really quickly touch on, as I mentioned, uh, tanking there at the very end. Look, it's a, it's a conversation that is going to continue really for as long as the worst teams in the NBA continue to get rewarded as such or for being such. Personally, I don't really have a problem with tanking. Uh, while the rules permit it, you do whatever you can to get yourself and put yourself in a position to get high-end lottery talent. Now, is the 
Philadelphia are, was the process for the Philadelphia 76ers a little extreme? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, has being a, a Laker fan over the last five years been pretty tough? Yeah, I would say so. And honestly, being a Laker fan in a year where we where the Lakers don't even have their pick, <laughs> it's been kind of nice to not care about it at all. But at the end of the day, these organizations have a purpose to, to, to have a goal in mind and have a priority. And the priority is to get as as good as you possibly can, as quickly as you possibly can, when you find yourself at the top of the lottery. And, you know, I, I thought Adam Silver set up a, a problematic uh, – he, he set a problematic precedent for all of these teams where he finds Mark Cuban for, for admitting to tanking he checks in on the Chicago Bulls because they kept resting uh, Robin Lopez, and and it's just it's it, what's tough there is that at this point now, what's the league going to do? Or are they going to every time some veteran pulls a hammy, are they going to send somebody to make sure that that hammy is actually pulled? If it's a young guy who gets hurt, are they going to care less about that? If it's if it comes down to a team that tanked successfully, would there ever be a situation where they withhold that pick from them? You know, you never know. And and this is the issue with trying to manage something that is, is to this point, unmanageable. And, I, you know, I, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because this is maybe the biggest gambling day in all of sports, you have people making treks across the country to Vegas, and you have websites taking in record level traffic numbers to to get these uh, quote unquote illegal gambling uh, picks in, and and I can't help but feel like Silver is is cracking down on tanking because the NBA is looking into gambling the way that they are. And so what you have is tanking and gambling cannot coexist. And Silver recognizes that. And so long as they are trying to cash in on potential gambling earnings, then they have to crack down also on, on tanking. Because why gamble on a game if you know that a team isn't interested in winning? And, and the way that they're going about it, though, and it makes sense. It makes some sense logically. But... The way that they're going about it is not the best way to do it. You, I, in my opinion, Silver would have been better served waiting till, uh, until the end of the season. At that point, cracking down on tanking and sending out hardline uh, literature to everybody uh, across the league that we are all abiding by this precedent that he's setting right now and not a precedent that he's setting on the move. And and unfortunately, what you have is like Mark Cuban is is and at the helm of a Dallas Mavericks team that has won to the point where they took themselves essentially out of contention for a top three pick. And I would imagine Mavericks fans are kind of annoyed while they watch that go on. And yet the Memphis Grizzlies have lost, I think it's 19 or 20 in a row or 18 or 19 or 20 in a row. You have. Uh, teams all throughout the league resting veterans or or having veterans come down with with weird 
uh, plantar fasciitis and, and, and migraines and all of those kinds of things. Uh, and, and if I'm a Mavericks fan, I'm thinking, wait, those guys can do it, but we just got fined 600 grand or I think it was 600 grand uh, for admitting to tanking. It's a, it's, a, it's a double standard that is going to be inherent so long as this precedent has been set. So I understand why Silver did it. It'll be something to keep an eye on. And, and it's something to keep in mind as you're watching all of these incredible talents throughout college basketball because it is a really fun draft. I mean, uh, Sexton from Alabama again showed out when the lights were at its brightest, and, and he's been doing that all year, even despite uh, the, the attention that has been spent on Trey Young. And so you, 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 if you're an organization, you're saying, all right, how can I get that guy? Well, it just so turns out that there is a, a, a fairly direct avenue to get that guy. And unfortunately, the that same avenue at this point is there for some organizations and not there for others. So it's certainly something to, uh, to, to, again, like I said, keep an eye on as this year goes along. Fun night in the NBA, super fun night. One of my favorite nights in all of sports or days in all of sports in the NCAA tournament kicking off. I am Anthony Irwin. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back at it again next week. Adam will be back. Hopefully, he uh, he will feel better uh, as the week goes along. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Irwin LA. You can listen to me and my co-host Harrison Fagan on Locked on Lakers. You can read my stuff on Lakers Outsiders. You can follow the show everywhere you find podcasts. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great weekend. Really fun times to look ahead to uh, over the weekend. You have you have OKC and, and the Clippers showing up or, or, or facing off on Friday. You have a really hot Toronto team playing Dallas, who is winning against their own best interests, <laughs> probably. The Lakers play the Heat on Friday. You have all these really fun games that will be touched on. Uh, Houston and New Orleans on Saturday, uh, Portland and Detroit on Saturday as well, Minnesota and San Antonio, and and on Monday, Locked On NBA will have a full recap of the weekend, both probably I would imagine in the NBA and in college basketball because we are we are transitioning from focusing on those guys' current games to what they might mean for organizations moving forward. Have a great weekend, everybody.